It is not your problems, it is the love of God in your life that is insurmountable. So, pass it to somebody else, make it a golden rule day. And I want to talk for a few minutes about how to be happily sad, or how it is that joy and sorrow go together. The second of the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, that word blessed is a real important one, and it's very, uh, it's got a loaded history. In the ancient Greek world, the word makarios was used to describe the blissful state of the gods. They are truly happy. And then it would also be used to describe a human being who was kind of living in that way, who was free from anxious care, didn't live under a crushing load of fatiguing labor, um, wasn't worried about death. And that's the word that is used that gets translated blessed, sometimes happy. It's a tricky word to translate for each one of the Beatitudes. Uh, it's fascinating that God's very first word to the human race in the book of Genesis, the first chapter is blessed. God blessed the man and the woman. God said blessed. And then when Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount, he begins again with that as his very first word, blessed, blessed, blessed. Uh, Survey Pink Hairs says this in his book on the Beatitudes. This feature of the Beatitudes leads us to revise a certain idea of God's design for us, which is overly marked by fear. God has placed the desire for happiness in the heart of every human being as a fundamental trust. It's just in us. And he wants us to respond to it by sharing his own happiness with us, if we will allow ourselves to be led by him along paths known to him alone. Our God does not love happiness. Can I say that again? Our God does not love happiness. He takes no pleasure in tragedies and terrors, as the devil would have us believe, when he arouses the anxieties and fears hidden in our depths. God always has happiness and joy in view. He wants us to believe this for his sake on his own word. This is not to say that Christ promises an easy happiness without a struggle. And of course, that's always the illusion that we fall for. Every great teacher, lots of folks have written about this. Every great moral teacher throughout history has to grapple with the question, we'll teach on it. What is the good life? Who is well off? And how do we move into that kind of life? And then who is a good person? And we're always tempted to think it's about circumstances. John Calvin the uh, reformer wrote that most people think the happy person is someone who is free from annoyance, attains all of their wishes, and leads a joyful and easy life. And of course, if you want a recipe to raise a spoiled, unhappy kid, just try to make their life look that way. But dads always try to convince us it's just one purchase away. Wise thinkers have always understood then that in order to uh, enter into the good life, it's going to involve um, some level of virtue, some level of goodness. Angry people, greedy people, envious people just end up not being very happy. So there's got to be some kind of connection there. Another word in the ancient Greek world, uh, Greek philosophers, Stoics are real popular in our day, Epicureans, uh, hedonism, all of them were deeply interested in who is it that's happy 
And uh, Aristotle in particular coined a word eudaimonia. Daimon is related to the word for demon, but it just means an inner spirit. You is good. So having a good spirit, but in particular one that is connected to virtue, that is the person who can be happy. About 1960, uh, in English, we started translating that word as flourishing, the flourishing life, not just happiness anymore, because happiness often connotes kind of a temporary state or a mood, whereas a flourishing person is someone who has entered into a certain way of life. And now Jesus is uh, entering into that conversation and does it in a way that has impacted history more than any other teacher. And in this beatitude we're looking at today, he says, blessed are those who mourn. Now, this statement has often been understood. People often try to turn it into um, making mourning a good thing. And people will say things like, well, I guess you're supposed to mourn over your sin or mourn over your guilt or mourn over the fallen state of the world. No, no, no. He doesn't say, blessed are those who mourn because they mourn. He would be able to say that if he wanted to. It just says, blessed are those who mourn. And it's because, as we have seen in all these conditions, the kingdom of the heaven is available to folks that everybody thought was shut off from the good life, from the kingdom of heaven. And that includes those that mourn. Uh, background context to this is in the prophet Isaiah in chapter 61. This is part of what's behind Jesus's words. Isaiah says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because God has anointed me to proclaim good news. That's the gospel. The blessed life is available now to the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. What's going on here is Isaiah is saying, God has sent me to do this. Um, not because it's a good thing to mourn or to be poor, but because now the kingdom of heaven is available. The reign of God, the presence, the goodness, the power, the favor, the love of God is available to humanity. And in particular, the good news is it's available to people that our world has written off as the hopeless cases. Our world says, blessed are the winners. I am wearing, you might notice right now, uh, a gift from my friend Len, who's the chaplain of the Buffalo Bills. The playoffs are going on right now. We all know when it comes to our world, blessed are the winners. And if you're a loser, not so good. Where I live in the Bay Area, the San Francisco 49ers have a quarterback, a guy by the name of Brock Purdy. He was the absolute last guy who was drafted in the year that he came out of college. And the title for that in football circles is Mr. Irrelevant. You don't matter. You are the last one picked. The irrelevant are not blessed. But, see, this is the great reversal now. Good news is coming for Mr. Irrelevant. And if you follow football much, you may know that the 49ers are actually the top seed in their conference. Brock Purdy is at a season for the ages. I think top-rate quarterback. I like to think I had a little bit to do with that. I actually was uh, spoke in chapel at 49ers Stadium on the Sunday of the very first game where Brock Purdy played and had a fabulous performance and upset Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's kind of cool. Unfortunately, uh, I did the chapel for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so my contribution was apparently giving a talk that was so unmotivating that it enabled Brock Purdy and the 49ers to win. But still, I was able to do something. Now, Jesus is coming and he's saying, in a world that says, 
We know who the winners are. Blessed are the strong. Blessed are the um, beautiful. Blessed are the young. Blessed are the smart. He's saying, no. Um, blessed are those who mourn. Now, people who are mourning, they can be blessed too. The kingdom's available to them too. But Jesus wants us to know in a world that says, nope, you're not eligible. You're mystery irrelevant. No. An old impoverished widow gives two mites. That looks really irrelevant, but Jesus says she's given the most because the kingdom is real. Love is real. Intent is real. Little kid has got five loaves and two fish, but that's not irrelevant anymore. Blessed are you who mourn, for you shall be comforted. Now, it doesn't say what I sometimes wish it would say. It doesn't say you will be comfortable. Jesus says, you will be comforted. I have here uh, what you might recognize as a comforter. It's not a blanket. No, no. Uh, It's got layers to it. Blanket's not the same thing as a comforter. We've had this in our family for quite a few decades. One of our children, when she was growing up, loved this comforter. And so we've kept it. And a number of years ago, I went through a really, really, I woke up and there was something very traumatic that had been written publicly and it was so painful. I just felt like I was going to die. And I I came home very, very early in the morning and uh, my hands and feet were freezing, as you may know. If you uh, go through something that's really difficult, part of the fight or flight response sometimes is all the blood circulates in your core. And uh, I just laid under this comforter. And eventually comfort came. And eventually, out of that pain and out of the comfort that came, that God sent in a number of different ways through different people and through different thoughts, through the availability of the kingdom of heaven, through a voice that said to me, you know, John, nothing has changed. The kingdom is here just like it was yesterday in the midst of this pain. Eventually, I was able to help other people out of that and still am. This is the good news. Blessed are those who mourn. You have been rejected by your spouse and feel grief-stricken in a way that seems like it will never heal. Parents lost, lose a beloved child and now feel like they're part of the walking wounded. You had a job and maybe a dream attached to that job and now the job is gone and the dream is shattered. Or you got news about your health. We just look at our world, people in Gaza, in Israel, in Ukraine, and you fill in the blank. And Jesus says, blessed, 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 because the kingdom of heaven, because God comes to you with a love that is insurmountable. And we and, and the way that it works is this, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, Paul, who knew about afflictions, says, blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. And that began with Jesus, who uh, was crucified on a cross. That was his ultimate affliction. That was Rome's way of saying, this is mystery irrelevant here. He's not the Messiah. He's not going to free anybody. But of course, with the resurrection, uh, that was the ultimate in relevance. And then Jesus, we participate, Paul says, in both his sufferings and in his comfort. 
And so I think of parents who lose a child to addiction or mental health issues, and in their great grief, uh, they reach out to give help and hope and comfort to others who are in addiction or suffer from mental health problems. Um, I think about our own journey just in its small way and being able to have conversations with people to bring comfort and hope and meet with folks in ways that I never would have been able to do otherwise. So today, so today, you can be happily sad in your sadness, in your mourning. The kingdom of heaven comes to you. God comes to you. And one of the ways that redemption will come, that meaning will come is as you find somebody else to help as you give comfort to somebody else who needs it. Make it a golden rule day. You've been listening to Become New with John Orpert, where you can receive 10 minutes of daily teaching about the person you're becoming. If you like what you're hearing, you can head on over to our website, becomenew.com, where John has over 710 minute teachings on the person you're becoming, cataloged in 20 different series covering a range of topics you might be interested in. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each episode that include extra resources and discussion questions, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Lastly, if you have a prayer request, there's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray for listeners just like yourself. You can send your specific request to us at the number 855-888-0444. We're glad you're here, and we'll catch you next time.